Father, we come in Jesus' name again this morning. We're grateful because, Lord, we need all that you have for us. And when we come, we're just grateful for what you do offer. Your grace is um, every day, your love and kindness. Your mercies are new every morning, Lord. Your anointing and your washing of our soul and our spirit, God, we receive. And we thank you that you give it so freely. And it's so wonderful to just accept from your hand and from your heart, Lord, all your good gifts. And we receive this morning, and we pray, God, that your spirit would anoint this amazing chapter, God, this, as, as our hearts uh, receive from your spirit this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So is this one of the most precious chapters in the whole Bible, or what? Romans chapter 12. Goodness gracious. Oh. So as I'm reading this, <clears throat> this through this chapter, and I started thinking about how comprehensive the whole bible is and how connected and the 40 different authors 66 books unity content purpose plots prophecies fulfillments never contradiction mistake never books chapters paragraphs sentences the word of god is truly a miracle itself and it's got more impact in historical record than any other piece of literature in the entire world. And it's not just, even if you just took it for historical value, let alone the impact that it's had on nations and people's lives throughout time. And I think about that. Romans chapter 12 is one of these chapters with lists. I mean, it is so, there's only 21 verses. And my, I have three full lists, like pages, right, of what's in here. But if it's a grand idea that ties together so many other concepts in the Bible, quotes, teaching to scripture, you could almost, you really could almost miss if you're looking, you know, you kind of get buried in, uh, you it pulled into the list, you could actually miss the big comprehensive picture, the big comprehensive reality of what is happening in this chapter and what is being brought forth to us. And <clears throat> I want to read just the first two verses to start, okay? And we all could probably just read it with me because <laughs> you could probably do it from our, from memory. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Amen. So before we kind of delve into this, I want you to think about what this is. This is the transform. This is what it looks like to be transformed. This chapter basically tells us the confirmation, how we're conformed and transformed into Christ and what it looks like. If we were to, it's like the DNA. Uh, that's why the picture of DNA on the top of your page. <laughs> I want you to think about this as this is our internal and this is what it looks like to be transformed into the image of Christ. It's almost like we, because of what he's done in the mercies, um, the teachings about God are, uh, are mostly in the first few verses. So before we kind of delve into this DNA, I want you to think about first, and remember what I said last week, every time you go to scripture, I want to ask the question, what does this teach me about God? And the first few verses in this um, are, are full of things that are very important up to, for us to know about God. So I'm going to look at that first, okay? So what does this passage teach me about God? And I want you to see in verse 1, he has mercies towards all. Um, oh, excuse me. Yeah, by the mercies of God. He has mercies. Now, remember last week, he explains so beautiful in the last few verses that he had mercy on Israel because of his promises to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Then he had mercy on the Gentiles because of his mercies of Israel. And then he's going to restore Israel again. Because of his mercies of Gentiles, he's going to have mercy on Israel again. He wants to have mercy on all. So that's why I say because of this mercies of God, this is why we present our bodies to God. But I just wanted to let you know, his mercies towards us are comprehensive, all, for every person, for every, you know, he's not selective in who he wants to have mercy on. And then the second thing is he accepts the, the, uh, the sacrifice of the believer. They're holy and acceptable to God. 
So by presenting our bodies to him, you know, this reasonable service to him, he accepts it. You know, he really wouldn't have to do that. Uh, you know, it, it's, it, it really, our, our sacrifice is really nothing, right? But it, because of his mercy, because of his love, and how the person that he is, he accepts our sacrifice, this presenting our body to his. Even when we think there's nothing that we can do to thank him, guess what? He likes this. He likes this act of sacrifice, sacrificing our body and our life to him. Our simple little hearts, it's kind of like a little child. Bring a little something that seems, you know, for an adult, it's kind of like, oh, that macaroni necklace, oh, that little yeah. scribble picture. You know what I mean? That's what it's like, but he accepts it because it's beautiful to him because it came out of a heart of devotion. All right, so, um, and then another thing that we learn about God is he has a perfect will uh, in the sense, and I'm not going to go into the whole passive, permissive, you know, perfect will. I just want you to understand that his preference, he has choice and his best ideas and purposes or what he really wants for us he does have a perfect will he and you know we don't want to live without his best his most excellent way there's good there's better and there's excellent this is what we want this is what we want in our in our life and he has this force his perfect will so i wanted just to take uh, note of that um i do believe excuse me i'm sorry going on to verse three uh even past this uh or first two verses that we read <clears throat> we learned from God that he has a specific measure of faith in verse 3. He has a specific measure of faith that he gives to every child of his. God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. So we look at God and we realize, and now I have this sense, I, I really don't know because it doesn't say that it's equal. I believe he gives equally to all. But what we do with it is our choice. And you know, we can bury it, we can invest it in serving others, we can share the gospel, suffer for his namesakes, going through trials, you know, it, it, it's tested, it's, it either grows or it's buried, and I don't think the Lord likes it when we bury it, you know, he did chide the servant who buried his talent, right, but it will grow, and we learned this in the Sunday school lesson this week, a little mustard seed grows to be a tree. And we can't, and it is, does make a difference what we do with it. It really does. And then this faith, this measure that he gives us, uh, even if he decided to give more than some to some than others, we don't know how that is because it doesn't say. It says a measure. Uh, even if it was, it would be f fair, right, perfect, just, and very precise because he is very precise, and he's perfect in his judgments. All right, verse 19, Skip if you want to skip there to see about God, what God. God <clears throat> has vengeance and wrath. And he's the only one who has the right to act on it, okay? Just so you know, we're learning that in, in the rest of it. He repays perfectly, though, and I think we've learned with some of the things that we've looked at and compared in the path when we studied the doctrine of his wrath that uh, he's very precise in the way he meets it out. And when he judges someone, he usually judges it based on what they have done and how they have judged others, how they acted against others, even with the cutting off fingers and, you know, the big the thumbs and the big toes, that's because those kings did that to other people. You know, he just very precise uh, with the way he judges people. And, uh, you know, think about Haman and how he hung on the very gallows that he prepared for Mordecai. His judgments, his wrath and his vengeance and his paying back are perfect. So he, but he, but he does have it and it's his right, but he's the only one that has the knowledge to be able to do that. We don't, we do not have, we don't know the hearts of men and women. We don't know timing, we don't know what's been misconstrued, misunderstandings. We don't know what the real truth is. Often we just see part of it. So we don't have the right to return vengeance and wrath. Okay? All right. Now, moving on to the rest of this chapter in the sense of looking now to what this, uh, this chapter speaks to you and I. At first glance, it seems like it's a list to live by. And in fact, a lot of times, you, you know, living... Um, if you look at the, even the way they've titled them, you know, your, your chapters and verse, you know, your paragraphs, sections, it's basically Christian living. You know, this is how we respond to the Lord's mercies, right? But I want you to think um, it's, it's much more than that. In its full scope, chapter 12 is a look under the microscope into what it looks like to be conformed, to be transformed, to be living in the image of Christ. 
So if you could look at that little slide and you would see all the organisms, you know what they would say? They would say they would have all these these uh, these words in them that we're going to be reading all these this list in in in, uh, in microscopic form to see how many and how much is involved in our living like Christ in our DNA that plays itself out to live like Christ. Verse two says, "Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed." By the renewing of your mind. This is us with the new chromosomes that add evidence of the Holy Spirit's change in our life, our minds, our heart, our action, because the DNA is all encompassing for us to have this new life, this new mind in Christ. These are lists of how we're to live, to act, to think. They're so comprehensive. They gather up, think about this all the commandments and laws that Moses taught the Beatitudes that Christ taught, and the doctrinal teachings of Paul and the apostles. It, they put them all together. And then, you know, this is what it's like to be, looks like to be conformed and transformed to look like Christ. So this is at our fingertips. It's like a reference guide. You know what? Somewhere in our world, somewhere in our life, we need this list posted because, you know, there are oftentimes <laughs> we are not living in the spirit in this way. And Read it again, and I believe this this chapter is probably why some of those ancient um, men of God had this read to them once a week. Because there's so much that I can guarantee you, every single time you read it, you will be convicted of something that just happened in your life that you did not conform to this, and that God wants us to be walking in, right? Um, so, if you ever wanted to know what would Jesus do, <laughs> read this chapter. And I will guarantee somewhere in these verses you will find an answer to how, you sh- how you should respond, what decision you should make, and how Christ would respond if he were in your shoes in that moment. So I imagine if Jesus were to expound on his answer to the Pharisees in Matthew 22, we just had this last, not, not this Sunday, the week before, when Pastor Greg taught and he said in Matthew 22, verses 37, 38, he said, you shall love the Lord your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets, the law of love. That's what Romans 12 is. That's what the lists are. That's what all the things that he rattled out one after the other, loaded in each verse. The law of love and the, the, the image of Christ stamped into our soul, and this is what plays out when we live the transformed life. These two great commandments, commandments are the very heart of love. They love God and they love people. And these, these are the ways that Christ loved. So, let's look at what transformed means. I'm going to say transformed DNA, though. Okay, this, <laughs> this is what the DNA looks like. Romans 12, 2, and then 1 Peter 1, 14. Um, I'm going to look at this, and I'm sorry I didn't mark it in my thing. 1 Peter 1.14. It's right after Hebrews 1.14. As obedient children, do not conform yourselves to to former lusts as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. And that's what this is. That's what this is. And so this transformed DNA, the Greek word I've got, I wrote them out there. I don't even know how to pronounce them. Syschematizo. That's what this particular one is in Romans 12 too. Um, and it's, it, it, it's rather than being squeeze, squeezed into the world's mold, the Christian is to undergo the inward transformation through which the outward appearance and the character become Christ-like. This God fully intends to do his work of grace within us, but he's not going to rob us of our individuality. This is in me. He will not leave us as we are, but he will change us and enable us to share his glory. And then the second word, simorphumai, simorphumai, if you think of some um, morphosis, like uh, we always think of the butter, the word transformed as like a butterfly, what it goes through. But the word implies more than a resurrection, basically. It, it is similar to what that Jesus <clears throat> is similar to Jesus 
but it's uh, less than the resurrection to the identity with him. We retain our own individuality, which is interesting, right? This is us living like Christ. But the qualities that make Jesus who he is will permeate through us so that we will truly be like him. Paul knows that in sharing Christ's sufferings and commitment, now we're going to be pervaded by our Lord's qualities now. We don't need to wait the resurrection to become Christ-like. We can have it now, before the resurrection. So that's a blessing to think about, too. And I I wanted to um, think about Philippians 4.10. And I, um, I marked that one. That's my life verse, honestly. It is. I have it engraved in Hebrew on my ring right here, right by my marriage wedding ring. And I, it's just this whole idea, Philippians 3, 10, <clears throat> says, I um, guess you would think that I would have it marked here better on my Bible. <laughs> it's a new Bible. Okay. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being conformed to his death. And all this DNA is, you know, as we are, we suffer and as we are tested, we're being conformed and we fellowship with him in the spirit. We're conformed into his image. So I wanted to add that as we go into this. Okay. Now I wrote out this list and I went through, I, you know, I wrote everything in, a, you know, pages of them in these 21 verses. And then I went back and I sorted them by what we are and what we, you know, what we have and what we are, what we do or what we're to be, and then what we're not to do and not to be. So that's how I sorted them. I hope that's okay because I don't necessarily think they're, I I just think they're just loaded. I I think it was just kind of coming through as my like, bam, 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 and they may not be tied directly one into the other. But if they are, God forgive me. But I thought it would really help us to, um, to help sort them in this way so that we could see, first of all, what we are, who we are. Let's look at that. Verses, so there's four of these, what we are, okay? Uh, the first one is in verse three. And it's grace that is given. And it's, uh, Paul talks about it in his own personal life. Yes, yeah, oh, I'm sorry, you didn't get your sheet. Yes, there it is. Paul talks about this in his personal life. He says, grace was given to me. But it's also given to each one of us. And I wanted to let us know that that's who we, what we have. We've been given grace. And it's to everyone in Christ. And we all know these graces that we live by are not deserved. And just so we know that we're living in the undeserved every day. Okay. The second thing is in verse 4. I went, This one was huge to me. And it just blessed me. You don't have the same function as other members of the body. You're a specific DNA. And we talk about that, you know, having different gifts. And everything. No, I'm talking about different function. You don't have the same function as other members in the body. Think about that. You don't have the same function as anybody else. So if you're not doing your function, guess what? The body is suffering. Something's missing. And so whoever God brings and God, you know, is doing, we need to pay attention. So God said, you have a function and you have a very specific function in the body. I just want you to know different is good. <laughs> Sometimes we think oddball, I'm the odd one out. Nobody, you know, no, different is good. Different is needed. Different is unique. It's important. It's special. Do your function <laughs> in the body. All right. Verse five is the, our third one. I am collectively in one body in Christ. I'm in one body in Christ. And I am blessed to just think about how this, you know, we're, it's not an organization. And it's, it's an organism. It's a body. It is a functioning, living thing. And so it can be healthy or sick. It can grow or it can die. You know what I mean? It's like... It is a body. Uh, we are all members of this one body. And I know we love to think of our body here, but we also need to think of the body as a whole in the whole world. And we are connected in that. And we have a part to play in other churches, other countries, other believers' lives throughout the world. Okay? Verse uh, number six is our last one in this one, what we have. We have different gifts 
We have different gifts, and there are whole studies on this uh, according to the grace that is given to us. I love that. We have different gifts according to the grace that is given to us. Oh, thank God that his grace gives me something because I certainly don't deserve whatever gifts he gave me. And sometimes, you know, we have a singular gift that is all our focus. Other times we have different gifts, plural, that take us into different areas of giving and serving. And a gift is given to be used. And it's a blessing. And if we are not being blessed, then we're probably not working in our gifts. <laughs> sometimes we get burnt out. Sometimes we are, uh, uh, either we're working it in our flesh or we're, we're working within the wrong gifts that God has given us. So really pray and make, you know, a, a do a, a diligence. And you know what he says? Ask for the good gifts. Pray for the good gifts. My daughter made a list. I went, this one, I went, this one, I went, this one. You know, we, we made a list and I wrote them down and it's in my prayer list for my kids. I know what they want. I know the gifts they want and I want to pray them for them. If that's in their heart, that God would give them those gifts. We need to pray this for ourselves because if, if I have desire and I'm like, you know, I really wish that I could, you know, this, that's a desire that is a good thing from the Lord. Pray and let, seek God answer. That's part of the miracle that I really want think he wants us to be, to see as how he gives us and how he develops those things in our heart and our life. All right, the next section, what do I, <clears throat> this is what I do in re- response to his mercies, in this sacrifice, my, sacrificing my body to him, this devotion, this commitment, my sacrifice to the Lord. This is what I do. This is what I'm to be. So these are the things that often are going to smack us right between the eyes when we come back and read these, you know, when we, we're having a rough day or when we've had an argument with somebody or we don't know what to do. Um, these are the things that, you know, what I'm to do and what I'm to be. So there's uh, 20, sorry, I'm going to try to go through this fast. <laughs> 21 of them. <laughs> All right, so I won't, I won't belabor these. Um, the first one is in verse 1. The first thing that we are to do or be is to present our bodies to God. And I've already talked about that. We are to give it as a present. We are to stand it before him. And, you know, that's a bear. You know, I'm bare and I'm standing him and I'm giving it to God. And, you know, this, a lot of times we don't think about what we're doing as a gift to the Lord. It's just like our, in our marriages. When we serve our husbands as unto the Lord, we do everything as unto the Lord. It's a present to God. It's giving back what he's given freely to us, his love. We give it back. All right, verse 2. This is to be transformed in the focus by renewing our minds. And we know where that comes from. The renewing of our mind is almost 100% the word of God. The renewing of our mind, the Holy Spirit working through the word of God to change our mind and change our hearts. Be transformed. This DNA happens as we saturate ourselves in the word of God through the Spirit, being taught by the Spirit, the Word of God, renewing our mind. You know, we've talked about the battles in our mind, right? Uh, the the victories in our mind, but also the renewing is in our mind. What we put off, and what we put on. Put off this, put on this. And the Word of God is what does that in our hearts, in our minds, in our thinking. It's what clarifies things for us. Okay. Verse, um, let's see, also in verse 2, prove what is good. Um, this is what we're to be and to do. Uh, this talks about this this um, per, um, perfect will of God, prove to prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. It's really interesting. At first I thought, this isn't proving it to God. It's not even proving it to me. It's proving to the world, to the people around us, that you know what we're living and what we're doing is good. It's good. It's right. And these, you know, see that I say it all the time, the proof's in the pudding. You know, and, and it's an old saying, but it's just like, you know, people see, they, they're not going, well, they may not even ever tell you, but they will see it. And they will know, you will get phone calls out of the blue because somebody saw that you had something that they thought you could help them with. That, that what you know or what you have or what you understand, they want. And, you know, so uh, I, I'm just saying to prove what is good, acceptable and perfect will of God. But it's also, it plays itself out in being in the perfect will of God for my life. Because I believe with all my heart that you wake up every single morning and you ask God to guide your life and to be your Lord, you will not miss it. You will live the perfect will of God. Being obedient to the Spirit every single day of your life, you will not miss 
the perfect will of God for your life. That gives me chills because I think that is simple, but that is an eternal truth that we live day to day. We only have today. That's all I have. That's gone. I can't even go there. But today I can live according to the spirit. I can follow the footsteps of Jesus and I will live in the perfect will of God. Then I will look back after 20 years. I'm going through 20, 40 years of pictures on my table right now, you know, boxes. I'm looking through this life and I'm so blessed, blessed friends, family, church members, events, mission trips, baby children, you know, just all these blessings day. And it was just, it was all lived one day at a time. I think about that with Amy, Amy Carmichael when I read biographies of people that inspire my life. And I realize, you know, this paragraph and this paragraph is 20 years apart. <laughs> think about that with Abraham, you know, and we li- read the stories and they lived one day at a time following the footsteps of Jesus and following the Lord in faith. That's what the perfect will of God is for our life. And that's, it can be done. It's doable. It's, it's a blessing to realize. And I'm not saying I'm perfect. I, I did not mean to imply that. I'm just saying that the perfect will of God is achievable because we have the spirit of God to lead us every single day. All right. And then verse, uh, the next one, verse six, use your gifts in, per- in proportion to your faith. Look at that. Verse six. Uh, let us use them. It says that twice. Let us use it. (laughs) Let us use it. We have differing gifts, differing according to the grace that is given to us. Let us use them. And in proportion to our faith, verse seven, or let us use it in ministering. So using our gifts, that's what we're supposed to do. Use it in proportion to our faith. You know what? If I'm, if I'm not, if I'm anxious or I'm uncertain, you know, just step out, just a little step in proportion. You know, sometimes God asks people to do big steps. They, they dive in. They step out on something that looks ridiculous to everybody else. They know that it's as unto the Lord, and I'm going to step out in this big, it's big for me. It may not be big for anyone else. In proportion to your faith, follow the leading of the Lord. Verse 7 and 8, I combine all these to minister in teaching, exhorting, giving, leading, mercy, those are the gifts that are lifted here, listed here. You may fall in one or all of those. You, there's more listed in, in 2 Corinthians. There's more lifted, listed in uh, <clears throat> Galatians. But it's liberally, diligently, and cheerfully. Now, they attached them to specific ministries, like, you know. But I'm, I'm just going to tell you, liberally, cheerfully, and diligently, that's a lot, that's intense, and that's happy about it. <laughs> and you know, to say that this can be, this is, it's almost like a command, do this this way. That doesn't mean it's a byproduct of that might be this way, and it might happen this way, and oh, it's good if it does. No, it's saying to do it that way, which means we have a choice. We have a choice about being cheerful. Sometimes we don't think we do. We're women. God help us. But we do. And if you've ever listened to Dennis Prager for hours, the happiness hour every Wednesday noon, happiness is a choice. <laughs> you know, it's true. We, our perspective, we change what we do. We change our mind. We turn it around. We put on a smile. And, and, and that's not being a hypocrite. That's being, doing something the right way. And when God asks us to do it that way, liberally, di- diligently, please. I, I w- if you have to... Um, Take something later to think about, meditate on, think about these three words. I'm asking you to think about liberally, diligently, and cheerfully. Because everything we do needs to be full throttle for the Lord. We keep saying that in these last days, don't we? I mean, Satan's amping it up. Guess what? We need to amp it up too. And it's not in our flesh. It's like, God, help me. And God, do this and use me. And be liberal about it, to be diligent. And that means we cut out all the stuff that distracts us. We, we focus. We, we are not lazy and slothful. We're not wasting our time. We are giving ourselves over to what God, and be inspired by other people. I can't even tell you how many times I'm inspired by looking at somebody else's life. Oh my goodness, I'm listening to who's teaching on uh, D.L. Moody. Uh, one of the teachers, can't remember which one it is, teaching on D.L. Moody this this week, and I was like, oh, my word, I'm such 
I'm so apathetic, you know, <laughs> and, and, and a lot in real life, I'm just being on my mind. I'm letting it just go off here and there. I like my little cup of coffee and I just, you know, do my little knitting. And I, I love that, but I don't like coffee. I said that wrong. I like my tea. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you knew me, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, I said that for you. Um, no, but you know, we, we, we do, we allow ourselves these things. And sometimes we just get carried off. We lose a couple hours. We lose it because we give ourselves over to not being diligent with what God would have us to do sometimes. All right. Sorry. I'm not trying to point any fingers because uh, I, I do it myself. All right. Think on things. Um, okay. Verse nine says we are to cling to what's good and we're to hate evil. These are things to do. I'm to cling to the good and hate the evil. I am supposed to love what God loves and hate what God hates. And if I do, those things will motivate me. And that's what's going to get me up off my chair. Let me tell you, because if I'm thinking on things that are good and just and pure and lovely and good report, you know, all the things in Philippians four and, and am I hating what's evil and the news reports that come in and the things that are just God awful, tragic, and we realize what is going on in this world. We are motivated to hate evil and act in accordance to this trans, you know, trafficking of children and women. And, you know, what can we give my time to? What can I give my money to? Uh, giving ourselves over to things that we can do to help. All right. Verse 10 says, be kind, affectionate to one another with brotherly love. Kindly affectionate to one another. Have you ever known anybody that's just an affectionate person all the time? That is not my nature, honestly. Uh, even with my own children, I found like, I should hug my children more. Uh, isn't that terrible? I mean, I, it's just, I am not by nature an affectionate person. And so it's something that the Holy Spirit has worked on my, but said, be a f- kindly affectionate to one another in brother, brotherly love. And that's what motivates us when the love of Christ grows in our heart. And we have this, you know, and I see you walk through the door and it makes my heart sing. And I give you a hug, you know, and it be affectionate to each other because we know what God is doing in our midst and we're testifying and affirming each other. All right. Be uh, fervent in spirit. Verse 11. Be fervent in spirit. And we sense this when we're praying, don't we? That is something that the Holy Spirit puts in your heart. This fervency is burning. It's like a little fire. That, you know, I find myself, when I talk about missions, I get very animated, you know, Something that motivates you, something that's very exciting to you, we get fervent about, we get animated, our voice raises. <laughs> uh, we can tell what we're fervent about, but God says, be fervent in spirit. And then verse, it also in the same verse, it says, be serving the Lord. Be fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. And we talked about this before, with our gifts. But you know what? We don't even have to focus on our gifts if we just have the heart of the Lord and we just look it around. You see a need, meet the need. See a need, meet the need. You know, it's like, oh, there's something on the floor. Pick it up for them. You know, there's something, you know, something spilled, whatever. One time, we're used to this as moms, you know, doing things. But <laughs> the rest of, you know, my, my mommy years are gone. But, you know, the rest of the world is full of needs. And it doesn't take that much. You know, I don't have to feed everybody on the street, but I can feed somebody on the street. You know, I, I can take in someone. I can pick up one hitchhiker. You know what I mean? Be careful with that, ladies. I, I, you know, <laughs> but I'm just saying, you know, there's something I can do that is simple, that is not the, but if we're all serving the Lord, if we're all doing this as the impact for the world. All right. Um, verse 12 says, be rejoicing in hope. And our whole study on hope that, that um, um, our, my friend came, my, why is my mind blank? Anyway, uh, we did a whole conference on hope and rejoicing in hope. If we lose hope, then it, it stifles us. And people have lost hope in this world. And suicide rates are higher than anything else. And there's nothing that we can do to restore hope unless we are living that hope. If we believe that hope ourselves and we're living and rejoicing in the hope that we have in Jesus Christ, this is what we share. This is what we give, something that is in our very soul. And, you know, if, if we don't believe this, we're not going to share it. We're not going to... If I didn't believe there was a hell, if I didn't believe there was a heaven, what, would, what hope would I have? And this is the hope that the world does not understand. They just, you know, oh, we're going to die. We're all going to heaven. going to be an angels. No, the motivation is to realize there's truth and there's lies and people, we do not want them to suffer the consequences 
of the sin that is in each one of us. So we rejoice in the hope and we share it. All right. The next one is in also in verse 12. Be patient in tribulation, patient in tribulation. Goodness gracious. I think that's probably the hardest thing, maybe one of the hardest things on this page, on this chapter. Because tribulation, we want it to end. We want it to stop. And we want to run. And you know what? I heard uh, Kimber Kaufman. Remember Kimber Kaufman, Ada? Yes. One of the, I remember this message. He was, he was teaching on. He said, you know, when we feel like running, God wants us to stay under. When we feel like staying, he wants us to run. Because it goes so contrary to our nature. Stay under. Be patient with what God is doing in the tribulation in my life. Let it do its work in my soul. Be patient in it. The next one, be steadfast in prayer. Also in verse 12, be steadfast in prayer. Now, we could go on and on because of the ministry that God has given us here and stand the gap, prayer, the ladies, girls at prayer. But as we are at home in our daily prayers and the thing, be steadfast and for whom God has given to you. We all have a sphere of influence that is different and sometimes they overlap a little. Our circles overlap, you know, but uniquely you. Be steadfast because very likely if you're not praying for them, no one is very likely. So be steadfast in your prayers for people are in your life and be uh, set up a schedule, <laughs> set up a list, you know, break it down and, and, um, and pray scripture over them and let God pray for a scripture over this person. Let, and it'll change. God will direct you, but be diligent in that as well. Steadfast and liberal in our prayers, <laughs> lots all day. All right. Verse 13, distribute to the needs of the saints. Verse 13, distribute to the needs of the saints. And we know this benevolence giving shows up in all kinds of things throughout our day. And, you know, it could be as simple as who was telling, um, oh, Cheryl was just telling of this time when she went to take her, her daughter to a, a, an appointment and she had to leave to take care of her grandson and she came back and her daughter was saved because somebody was diligent in, in giving and seeing the needs. So all she said, I see that you're having a hard time. Can I, can I pray with you? Can I? And she talked to her about the Lord and all the things that Cheryl had wanted to, all that she had shared all those years. Somebody else shared with her daughter. And she came to Christ sitting in an appointment waiting to, to go into the doctor. Now, that is in the emergency room. Okay. Oh, you know, just the, thing, the thought of somebody being distributing to the needs of other people. Amen. And this is what we can do. Look around you and see needs and give. And I know Bobby and, and Lynn are just such a testimony of how they've given people they've picked up and helped them for weeks on end afterwards and carried them and followed through in their life. And we can, the, as God gives, give, distribute to the needs and also the needs of saints, the people around the world, the churches and the, you know, we think of the persecuted church and what we can do to help their children that are living homeless sometimes and living without any need because their dad and their mom are in prison. All right. Be given to hospitality. And a long time ago, I wrote a, I read a book called Open Heart, Open Home. <laughs> Remember that? Um, and it was just a blessing of thinking about our home as a place of ministry, our home as an extension of the love of Christ, and bringing people in and letting it be a hub of the love of Christ, peaceful, gracious, kind, happy, fellowshipping, food. You know, I mean, it's used almost always food. Uh, <laughs> given to hospitality. And you know what? That takes money and resources. So, you know, sometimes we have it, sometimes we don't. We have to be careful. But, you know, God, God will give us wisdom. Be oh, given to that. Be given over to that. All right, verse 14 is, Bless those who persecute you and don't curse them. Now, in this world today, we have a lot of people that hate us just because we believe a certain way. We have a lot of people who say very nasty things about what we believe and call us all kinds of labels. Well, you know what? That's just minor persecution, honestly. It really is. Our, we don't, we're not under any duress, usually, you know. Maybe if we're, we wore a MAGA hat into a restaurant. I don't know. We might get yelled at, you know. But 
in reality, not much, but to persecute those who dislike you and hate you, don't curse, pray for them. That's what he says. Pray for our enemies, right? For those who despitefully use this in, in the Beatitudes. God has a way for us to deal with people and it is not in vengeance. Rejoice, verse 15 says, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. And I, I there's two, I, you know, they're separate, <clears throat> but I wanted you to think about the rejoice. Rejoice with those who rejoice. You know, this oftentimes is just as hard as, it's, it's harder than weeping with somebody. You think, oh gosh, it's easy to be happy with somebody. Sometimes there's this little envy pang that just jumps in there. This little say, you know, I wish I had that situation. You know, God didn't bless me like that. You know, we do this comparison. Or we, no, be happy. And I thank you. All you guys have answered prayers and God's selling our house. Thank you for being happy with me. <laughs> thank you for praying with me. You know, I, that you're rejoicing with me. And I thank you for that. But that's what, for when God is, you, is working and you see him working, rejoice with our brothers and sisters. This is what the testimony is. It's a furthering of the testimony of God's work. Okay, and then weep with those who weep. Take the time to extend yourself. You know, um, a lot of times weeping is no fun, you know, but somebody is in sorrow. A lot of times the rest of people kind of don't want to deal with that. Don't, and they walk away. Extend yourself. If nothing else, to put your arm around them and stand there with them when they're weeping because they don't have words. We don't have, we don't have, we don't even have, we don't have answers. Who are we? God? No. We just need to be with them and weep with them. Excuse me. I think I went to the, okay, yeah. And be, verse 16 says, be of the same mind towards one another with unity, fairness, no partiality. You know, James talks about that, you know, treating everybody the same, but being of the same mind towards one another. You know, and I don't have, and, and I love the way this church has been in that. People walk into the back and we sit around, and you, it doesn't matter. We, we learn about them, we grow with them. But everybody, I, I, I feel like God has worked that in this body. But I love the fact that it doesn't matter what our background is. It doesn't matter what our disability is. It doesn't matter what our, our uh, history has been. We can sit down with each other, fellowship with each other, and we don't show partiality. Be of the same mind toward one another. All, all the same, all the same in, in Christ. Verse 17 says, have regard for all good things in the sight of all men. And I'm just going to touch on the, the idea of social media here. <laughs> have regard for all good things in the sight of all men. Probably this is the biggest arena in our world today where we are in the sight of all men. Social media. Have regard for all good things. And I have to check myself all the time. You know how many times I've written a post because I'm just thinking it. You know, it says right at the top, what's on your mind? Yeah. <laughs> well, let me tell you. And I have an attitude. And I'll have it all written. I'll say, That's just, you know, delete that. Because it wasn't a good thing. You know, I'm just complaining or I'm noticing something, whatever. And it's not a good thing. God checks us to say, Regard for all good things. And you know the scripture. Let your mind think on things that are good, just, and right, and lovely. Good report. Good report. Good report. Not the news. Good report. <laughs> all right. Verse 18. Live peaceably with all men, such as as much as depends on you. Live peaceably with all men. That means in every situation that there's conflict, let it be on me to try. Now, it's not always possible. It's not always possible to have forgiveness and reconciliation. But we can forgive. And we can hand the situation over to the Lord for his answer, for his judgment, for his fixing, for his diffusing. And we will do that. And God diffuses more than we will ever know through prayer. In verse 20, if an enemy is hungry, feed him. Wow. And I am so sorry that I'm taking so long. But <clears throat> ah, I don't even know how to do this short. But I thought, you know, if I just listed these off, it'd just kind of be like, ah, you know. All right, so we've, we've talked about that in the sense of God's compassion, you know. But um, all right, let's go on to what I'm not to do. And I'm going to read through these faster. I swear I will. Okay. And there's um, eight of these, okay? What I'm not to do, not to be. I'm not to be. And it's verse 2, going back to our very purpose, don't be conformed to this world. Don't let it shape me, my thinking, my attitudes, my focus, my speech, my views, my opinions. And don't be attached. 
Don't be attached. Don't be conformed. Don't let it get its roots in here, you know, in this world. All right, verse 3 says, don't think highly of myself. (sighs) Think soberly. That just means get a grip. Who do you think you are? Honestly, you know, I think my... (laughs) And my opinion is so important. You know, uh, uh, humility agrees with the Lord. Humility agrees with what God thinks. But in my home, with my friends, in my church, my job, pride shows up quickly in almost every argument. Don't think so highly of yourself. Don't think that your need has to be the one that's to be met every single time. Don't think you have to be right every single time. Take time to understand what other people really mean. Honestly, my opinion does not mean much to the rest of the world or usually to anyone else but me. You know, take time to understand. Learn from others, even children, from handicaps, from dementia patients. Learn from other people. Do not think so highly of yourself. And it's just a natural response that we do. We just, so. All right, we, verse uh, 9 is our next one. It says to love without hypocrisy, being truthful, being truthful without hypocrisy means that the, there's truth involved. We consider ourselves and our capacity and our deception for sin. We consider ourselves first, realizing I have every bit of capacity. And I have to think about what love truly is, is doing what's best for somebody else, no matter what it costs me. Doing what's best for them. Sometimes it's tough love and it shuts a door. And it says, I'm sorry, you're going to have to stand on this one without me. Other times it's like, goodness gracious, they are shutting themselves off. I really need to reach out. You know, doing what's best for someone else, no matter what it costs me, being ready to forgive, reconcile, and welcome, even if it still hurts you, even if it still hurts on the inside. Doing what's best. In verse 10, is our next one. Do not lag in diligence. We talked about this before with diligence. um, But to have rigor, intensity, earnestness, thoroughness, not slacking, not apathetic, but faithful. Do not lag in diligence. Now, I think it's, God, he said this all these years ago, not quite 2,000, well, not quite 2,000 years ago. He wanted them to be diligent. Now we're in the end times where things are darker and darker and darker and the world is upside down and good is bad and bad is good. And Be diligent. We can't just go with the flow here. We have to. We have to go against the flow. Be diligent. Be diligent with intensity. And then verse 16 says, don't set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. You know, and I think about this with what James talks about, you know, giving preference to the people that come in with money and don't set your high your your mind on th- associate with the humble. He put that to give us the context of what he's talking about. Wanting to be wealthy, wanting to be the president of the club, be, wanting to be with the president of the club, you know, wanting to be with the one who's leading, one who to be known as or around in the circles of. Don't set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Remember what Jesus said, don't you set yourself at the, with the best, at the best seat of the table, because if the king deposes you, you're going to be embarrassed. <laughs> you're going to be, you know, do not put yourself in the position that because that's, it, it shows your pride. It really is revealing your covetousness, honestly. It's revealing your heart of covetousness. I want something that. I want what they have, what the position, whatever. So we agree with the Lord. He, he will exalt the humble. We don't have to. All right, the next one. Don't be wise in your own opinion. Uh, I already talked about your opinion. It really doesn't matter. Uh, honestly, do you really think other people want to hear it? I, I, I'm sorry. I'm apologizing to you all right now because this one was my biggest conviction the whole time. I am so free to give my opinion. Our whole family. I mean, our, our poor daughters and sons-in-law, they come into this family thinking, holy moly, these people are opinionated, you know. <laughs> but it's true. We have, you know, and we talk and we think and we have, you know, all these table conversations and, uh, you know, we talk it all out. You know, we do. And we enjoy it. Yeah. We enjoy it, but not everybody else does. <laughs> but, you know, we enjoy it in our family. But you know what? The rest of the world may not just enjoy that, you know, like, like you do. So that's interesting. All right. Um, learn to be a good listener. That's what the takeaway of it is. Don't be your opinion. Learn to be a good listener. K 
care about what others think. Ask good questions. <laughs> Inquire about what they feel. What was your favorite part of your vacation? What did you enjoy most about your school meeting? You know, find out. How else will you find out how they feel? Unless you ask them a question. Sometimes people need to be asked. All right. And the last one. No, second to last. Don't repay evil for evil. This is both in verse 17 and 19. Don't repay evil and don't avenge yourself. And we, we mentioned this before, but you know what? This involves self-control. It is not a natural response. I don't care how meek and mild you are by nature. <laughs> you can burn inside just as much as you can burn outside. And, you know, holding grudges and wanting to repay. And, you know, sometimes those grudges will, years later, you realize they've built bitterness and it's come into your soul and it's rooted into your soul. You need to forgive. And we, you know, my, we our, our lovely, lovely friend, Miss Rosalie Mixon from Charleston, Charleston, South Carolina, she used to say, pour love on the hate. Love is bigger than hate. It's the only thing bigger. And you've got to pour love on it. You cannot binge them. Cannot, you've got to overcome evil with good. This is the only thing that's going to reveal that Christ's love is truly in your heart. It's love, and it's the only way people know that we're Christians in the long run to our love, our love, right? So we just think about this. It's a checklist, but it's actually more than that. It's who we are in Christ. It's who, it's that. It's the confirmation. It's the transformation into the image of Christ. We look under this microscope. This slide of this new DNA, it's been renewed, it's been changed, it's been like Jesus. It's what it looks like. So I thank God. Um, I thank God that he's given us this, and he's given us more. He's given us his spirit as his guide through this. Father, we just thank you, Lord, <clears throat> for this comprehensive view what it looks like to walk and love and live in this world like Jesus. And we thank you, God, that we have been given new life and we are new creatures and we do have transformability, Lord, by the word, by the renewing of our mind, through conforming and giving our bodies over a sacrifice to Jesus, to you, Lord. Please, we ask, God, that you would just nurture and give us all that you have. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>